I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. It's Motivational Monday, sisters, and I have an amazing episode planned for you today. We're going to be talking all about learning to trust ourselves. This is such a big piece to building inner confidence and inner conviction and learning how to trust our intuition, right? That's a big piece of creating a life that we love. So before we get into today's episode, I really want to make sure that you guys took some time to listen to our Transformational Thursday episode from last week. It's titled Radical Self-Indulgence and Asking for What You Need. It's one of my favorite episodes that I have recorded thus far. Today's episode is a close second, but I got such great feedback from that episode. I really want to make sure that you are getting this message because it is such an important one for us to hear. So it's on the website, episode 130, Radical Self-Indulgence and Asking for What You Need. Download it, check it out. You will not be sorry. So today's episode is all about learning to trust ourselves again. Why again? Because I'm a firm believer that we were all born knowing how to trust ourselves. But somewhere along life's path, a lot can happen to interrupt our ability to self-trust. So where I want to start today's episode is simply just asking a few questions. Do you ever feel like you've made a lot of mistakes in the past? Maybe you have a pattern of not following through on things, so you doubt your ability to follow through on them in the future. Or maybe you've had a gut feeling, totally known it, and betrayed your own wisdom, like staying in a relationship when you knew it wasn't right, or having a feeling about someone being untrustworthy, but confiding in them anyway, and that came back to bite you. All of these situations are areas where we actually have learned that maybe we aren't trustworthy. And when we don't trust ourselves, it is incredibly difficult to be steadfast in our decisions, know what the right decisions are for us in our life path, and to feel confident in our ability to navigate the journey of life when none of us were given a map, <laughs> at least not, when, not one with pretty pictures and arrows that clearly mark the way, right? So our tendency to doubt ourselves doesn't just happen. Not only do our actions and experiences as adults play a role, but our early childhood experiences play a major part too. For instance, if you grew up in a household where you had an anxious parent or an overly involved parent or what we might call a helicopter parent in today's language, you grew up with a parent who is very vigilant about protecting you from harm, which is all good intentions, right? But one of the things that that can do is send this subconscious message to a child that I don't trust you to make decisions and stay safe, so I have to make these decisions for you. And over time, we begin to doubt our ability to make good decisions, to be independent thinkers, or have good judgment in our lives. And what this looks like in adulthood is that we're usually always second-guessing ourselves, and we're reaching out to other people to see what they think and giving that more power, more priority than what we think, okay? And we have to learn how to always check in with ourselves and trust our knowing above anyone else's, okay? So having the opportunity to make decisions for ourselves, to make mistakes, (laughs) and learn how to navigate them is such a big piece of not only building inner trust, we can figure things out, but it's also a big piece of helping us build resiliency, okay? 
So super important um, for how we might parent our children moving forward and just doing some reflecting on looking at the dynamic between you and your parents when you were a child, okay? So interestingly, if you add dysfunctional dynamics to all of this, like addiction, this only gets more involved. And the really interesting part about all this is that addiction and dysfunction, either or, doesn't even have to be present in your current generation to still be having an impact. I'm going to say that one more time. Addiction or dysfunction doesn't even have to be present in your current generation to still be having an impact. That means that if you have addiction or dysfunction anywhere in your family history, and most of us do, there could still be leftover remnants of these patterns, and they will repeat themselves from generation to generation until someone takes it upon themselves to heal them. Okay? So some things to kind of maybe do some further research on. There is this uh, psychologist, her name is Dr. Claudia Black, and she did a lot of work on examining dysfunctional family dynamics, mostly with addiction. And she identified three main rules that are super common in these family systems. The first is don't think. You can't trust the way you think. The second is don't feel. You can't trust the way you feel. And the third is don't trust. You can't trust yourself or anyone else. Now, to make this even more complicated, these rules are never spoken, nor are they written. They're merely implied. And they're implied when we think something is wrong, but we're told, oh, that's all in your head. They're implied when we feel something and someone tells us there's no reason to feel that way. And in the most damaging cases, when we feel like we can't trust the people we're supposed to be able to trust, to be there for us, to show up for us, to hold space for us, we learn that trusting others is dangerous. Or maybe the only person we can trust is ourselves. But what this really does is makes us skeptical of who can be trusted, including ourselves. Okay? So there's a lot just right there, obviously. And not only does this impact our ability to trust others, but also our intuition. And when there's like this disjointed um, gap within ourselves, it is super hard to know what the right next step is. Okay? And that's such a big element in helping us live lives that are of our own choosing, is to learn how to take just that next right step for ourselves, learning how to feel what right is in our body, okay? So learning to trust ourselves is so incredibly important for building inner confidence and becoming the leader of our own lives. So on today's episode, I really wanted to dive into how we start to rebuild trust with ourselves and our intuition. So let's start with trust first. So one of the things that prevents us from trusting ourselves is the fact that we choose to trust or not trust based on our past actions. So when our past is littered with a lot of bad choices, <laughs> there's not a lot of good evidence there that we make good decisions, right? So how do we fix that? So since we can't go back and change the past, we have to focus on the present and making better choices moving forward. And over time, what happens is our present choices start to replace the past choices. And we begin to see that we can trust ourselves and be accountable to make sound decisions, to choose better and do better, and be in line with our morals and values. And I think that has been so evident for me of learning how to trust myself after making horrible and horrific decisions when during my own addiction, right? 
So working through like my own recovery and learning to know that I could make good decisions, even though I'd made a lot of shitty ones, this is a big piece of that, okay? So you might find this cycle like, for instance, you keep running back to an ex over and over again. <laughs> like no matter what you do, you always seem to end up back at their place or calling them late night to come over, right? And this kind of pattern, it totally wrecks havoc on our ability to trust ourselves, right? But the way we start gaining ground is, first of all, we have to set firm boundaries. Like under no condition will I do A, B, or C. We have to take the option off the table. And then we have to start doing something different. And the more we do something different, the more confidence we gain in ourselves. And confidence is totally related to self-trust, okay? Now, we can also reflect back over our past and see things through this lens of failure. And when we perceive failure, we tend to create shame for ourselves. And one of the best things we can do in this situation is to expand our lens beyond failure, beyond this black and white of I either failed or I was successful, okay? Because I promise you there's a lot of gray in there, and I don't think anything is ever 100% fail. Because there's always something to gain. There's always something to learn. And so two of the best questions you can ask yourself is what have I learned from my failure and what did I gain from it, okay? One of the things that I see a lot of times when I'm working with my clients is this tendency to take on far too much responsibility for life experiences, life events. And so my clients and even I have ended up blaming myself and raking myself over the coals, assuming 100% responsibility which creates all of this shame for something that was not 100% my fault, okay? Because all of the things that happen in life are a combination of factors, all of them. So for deeper work here, I want to point you to episode 86, where I talk about self-forgiveness and letting go of the past. It's a really great episode on how we expand past this concept of failure and do some of that inner work to kind of let it go, okay? So lastly, there may also be times when you've had these intuitive knowings that totally chose to ignore them. And this can end up being such a tailspin of I told you so's in your head, right? Was there that partner that you knew was cheating on you? Were you having dreams about their infidelity? And even when they denied it, you still couldn't shake the feeling? That was me in my last relationship before I met my husband. For weeks, I was having dreams that he was cheating. It was like, I just could not shake it. And these dreams are so vivid. And every time I'd ask him about it, he'd deny, deny, deny. Yet three weeks later, I was cooking us dinner and he got a text message on his phone. I had never picked up his phone, ever. It wasn't my thing. I just happened to pick up his phone to hand it to him and I saw a text message come up on the screen and it was from one of his coworkers. Text message said, I don't think we should be sleeping together anymore because you have a girlfriend. And I was like, you mother, I knew it. <laughs> and I mean, obviously it was really hurtful that I, I was right, but it's totally easy to trust our intuition when we find the evidence to back ourselves up. But what if that evidence never comes? Can you trust your intuition enough to follow it even when there's no evidence to support your gut feeling? One of the biggest areas I work on with clients is learning to trust themselves. And one of the most common areas that shows up is if they're in the right relationship or if they're making the right decision when it comes to their life path. And how do we know? I mean, that's, those are some really big questions, right? The thing is, things might look totally great on paper. Like take the relationship, for instance. 
their partner might be a really good person, but something just doesn't feel quite right. Is love supposed to feel this way? I usually hear questions like, am I crazy for wanting something more? Like, is it me? Am I doing this? And these are all tough questions to answer and every single situation is different. However, there are some definite patterns to be aware of. That guy I mentioned, I said verbatim to him the month before we moved in together, I don't think we're the right ones for each other. I knew it back then, but why did I stay? Because I thought he was a good guy. And on paper, we made sense. And I really wanted to be in love. So much so, I was willing to stay in a half-hearted relationship versus opening myself to the real thing. Plus, I was afraid of being on my own. And what if this was the real thing? And I was just being impossible to please. I mean, we can go round and round here, justifying things to ourselves, settling for this idea of love, or trying to make someone be our person just for the sake of having a person versus how they really make us feel. But what I've come to learn is when something feels off, it usually is. Whether that means this relationship is the wrong relationship for you, whether there's a pattern within you that needs healing, whether this relationship needs some coaching or some healing, or there are some toxic dynamics like gaslighting going on. Your intuition is telling you something. If something feels off, it usually is. So how do we learn to trust that intuitive nudge? First of all, know that intuition lives in our body. It's a different type of knowing. And when we're disconnected from our bodies, we miss out on the subtle, subtle cues that act as our red flags for internal information. And God, like this has been my life journey of learning to be in my body, to be with it. <laughs> I am notorious for being up in my head and trying to live in like rational land, right? That's not where our intuition lives. So learning to sit with our bodies and gain awareness of how our gut feelings feel is super crucial to learning how to tune into our own wisdom. That's why meditation is so powerful because it allows us to be inside our bodies, to quiet our minds. So we can tune into the other information, the other types of knowing that are available to us. Second, learning to discern between anxiety and old patterning and anxiety and intuition takes practice. Notice that I'm using anxiety in both cases because sometimes our anxiety can be caused from old programming and fear, and sometimes it's a big red flag that our intuition is trying to keep us safe. So how do you tell the difference? This area is another common area I work on with my clients. How do I know when I can trust my thoughts? How do I know when I can trust my feelings? One of the things I've noticed about learning to trust myself is that when I'm responding to old programming, I tend to get spun up and there's this sense of being out of control. My mind tends to go into like over analyzing mode or what I call rumination. What ifs are super prevalent. I play something in my mind over and over again, and I almost tend to become like a bit obsessive about it, right? When I'm responding to my intuition, there's this consistent feeling or thought that I just can't seem to shake. And the internal conversation sounds a whole lot like an argument, like I'm trying to prove myself with all the facts, usually all the good stuff on paper, yet something just feels off. And I'm trying to shake that off feeling of telling myself, you know, all this makes sense. You shouldn't be feeling this way, right? But I cannot shake that off feeling. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> why I'm feeling the way I do. But I've come to learn if something feels off, it probably is. So when something feels off and it's related to old programming, 
Okay, so when it's related to fear, I can usually connect the dots and recognize the pattern. But in order to do this, there needs to be enough self-reflection to know what your patterns are to begin with, okay? So do you have a hard time trusting others, for instance? Do you tend to think the worst of people? These are some of the patterns that can interrupt us from accurately discerning between fear and intuition. One of the best things I've done for myself is when I feel something, I give it value. I don't dismiss it. When I think something, I double check it to make sure I have all the facts. You might be like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to repeat that. So when I feel something, I give it value. I don't dismiss it. I don't discredit it. When I think something, I double check it to make sure I have all the facts. So let me kind of explain that. When we respond to things, our heads are usually the first piece of ourselves that go into old programming and fear. Our feelings, however, are deeply connected to our instincts, okay? So lastly, when it comes to trusting our intuition, we have to trust that we are in fact trustworthy, first of all, that we're wise, that we're whole. And the only way we get there is to feel connected to our sense of self. This means being in tune with your feelings and learning to feel them and honor them instead of dismissing them avoiding them or numbing them. So how do we feel our feelings? <laughs> like I said, you guys, this has been a struggle for me for so much of my life because I live in my head and I was afraid of emotions for a really long time. And sometimes they still freak me out. Like sometimes I'm afraid to live in my heart because my heart seems like it's like this irrational thing, right? But here's the thing. There's so many messages about emotions being irrational but this is how our intuition speaks to us. So learning to live in our hearts or the practice of embodiment is learning to experience the depth and breadth of emotion. Can you accurately label your emotions as you're feeling them? This is a great place to start. You can use a feelings list to start practicing this more and asking yourself daily, what am I feeling today? Can you put your finger on it? Can you describe it? You can also spend more time in your body because emotions are felt in the body. Emotions are energy in motion. They move through us. When you're anxious, for instance, sit with it. Where do you feel it in your body? What does it feel like? Tightness? Tension? Where? Your stomach? Your chest? What does an intuitive knowing feel like? We just can't shake something. Is it fluttery? Is it heavy? Where do you feel it? In your hips? Your heart? Your diaphragm? One of the best tools that you can use is to actually go back in your life when you had that intuitive knowing and it was proved right when evidence presented itself. And see if you can recreate or reconnect with how it felt in your body. How did it feel and where did you feel it, right? Such good information. So learning to be in your body, feel your feelings, is a huge part of learning to trust your feelings, right? And when we trust our feelings, that opens us up to trusting our intuition more and to have deeper discernment, right? And for me, learning to trust my intuition has been a part of learning to trust myself again. And intuition is just one piece of this. Trusting myself that I can make good decisions, 
that I can trust myself to follow through on things, right? This all kind of goes together into a bigger puzzle. So today for our meditation, I kind of just want to sit with our bodies, start to tune in and remind ourselves that we can trust what we're feeling. Those feelings are happening for a reason. They don't need to be dismissed, okay? The feelings that you're having are information for you. Whether that means some healing work needs to be done around a pattern, or what you're feeling is an intuitive nudge that something isn't quite right, okay? Starting to tune into our feelings is a big piece of learning to access our wisdom. And our wisdom is held in our body through our intuition. So let's just sit for a moment, close our eyes, and start to check in with our body. How is it feeling? I want you to maybe put a hand on top of your chest on your sternum. Noticing how this part of your body feels. Does it need to stretch or open? Does it feel kind of closed, shut off, shut down? Is there any worry or anxiety here? Breathing for a moment. Self-doubt for me usually is in my chest. I can feel it. it. Wants to cower. Now I want you to move your hand down to the bottom of your rib cage. So like right underneath your breasts, right at the top of that little Y as your ribs split. This is where your diaphragm is. Diaphragm usually holds a lot of information for us. Breathing here. What does this part of your body feel like today? Oftentimes that gut feeling, that intuitive nudge, that intuitive anxiety, I feel it right here, right here in my diaphragm. Feels like tight. And oftentimes when I consider the possibility of maybe going in the opposite direction of where I'm headed or in the opposite decision of what I'm battling with, right? Like, is this the right relationship with, for me, right? What would it feel like if I left this relationship? And usually there's a little bit more of like a peace, like a softening, like an expansiveness, like 
kind of like a giddy excitement. And if it's the right relationship for me, there's almost like this halt, this halting feeling that comes of like, yeah, stay, stay. This can be worked on. It's not time to leave yet, right? And sometimes that's all the information that we need. This is where we feel today. This is how we feel today. Good. I want you to drop your hand even further to your belly, right below your belly button. Maybe have your hands, your, uh, your knuckle, the palm of your hand on your pointer finger, like right on top of your belly button. And cover as much surface area as you can on your belly, okay? I want you to feel into this area of your body. Does it feel tight? Soft? So an interesting thing I've noticed about me, when I'm being overly concerned with what other people think, my belly tends to be tighter as if I'm like sucking it in. And when I tend to feel grounded in like my expression, my self-expression, there's a softness here. Like, I don't give a shit what other people think. <laughs> and I kind of like just let my belly all hang out. It's just something I've noticed for me. Good. You might even be able to pick up on a little bit of a pulse here. A lot of self-acceptance lives right here in my body for me. I can always tell and being like more loving and kind. And when I'm not, <laughs> based on the tightness here. Good. I want you to drop your hand even further. And kind of like feel into like where your ovaries are. You might have to open up and sit a little bit taller here. Kind of put both hands, either one of your hips. You might even actually put your hands like on the ridges of your hips. So your thumbs are pointing towards the back over that ridge in your pelvis. The other fingers are kind of coming forward over your hip flexors. And notice if there's any tension around here. And I really want you to go like a full circle around your body, right? So connect your thumbs in the back in your mind, going across your lower back, 
Noticing if there's any tension there. We can carry a lot of like stress or when we're like trying to force something in the world or <laughs> force ourselves down a path that might not be meant for us. We can feel a lot of tension in our lower back. And then noticing how the area feels between your fingers. So the front part of your pelvis. For me, this is kind of like my creative center. And what I'm really checking for is like signs of life <laughs> down there. Are things awake down there? Is there any like fluttery feelings? Does it feel kind of like dead inside? Usually when I'm feeling kind of like disconnected to my creativity, my inspiration, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of like energetic flow down there, if you know what I mean. I can't really get like a good read on it, you know? Good. Now I want you to take a scan like all the way up your spine. Noticing any areas of tension you might be holding. And I want you to go one step deeper. How does your body want to move right now? What is it asking you for? Right now for me, I feel this tension like right below my shoulder blades and my back. Like I want to open my heart and lengthen out my spine. So just arching my back, lifting my chin up to the sky. Maybe even carrying my arms overhead. A nice good morning stretch, lengthening. Stretching over to one side, elongating here. Noticing there's something that needs to move through my body. That tension wants to move out. And honoring that. Taking action, this intuitive action from this place. Giving my body what it wants, what it needs. Understanding there's like an emotional connection here. Stretching my arms out and down, resting them gently. Noticing the shift. I'm asking myself, what is it that I'm feeling today? Can I put a name to it. Do any answers float up for you? And trusting any answers that do. So I've noticed this pattern for myself and I'm just gonna give this to you. 
if you're ready to kind of come back to your day, you can kind of wiggle your fingers, roll your shoulders back a couple times. Mm. Being nice, centered in your body, and opening your eyes. So I've noticed for myself that when an answer does float up, it's often accompanied by this, this phrase of saying, but I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. And here's the thing that I have noticed a lot of times. When we are working on trusting ourselves, the phrase, I don't know, is actually really common. So when somebody asks us questions, our immediate go-to response is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why this is happening, right? So I want to offer a little bit of a shift. Instead of saying, I don't know, saying, I do know the answer is on its way. Because that is just another way that we affirm that all of the information that we need is within us and we can trust it. We can trust that the clarity is on its way. We can trust that the answers are on their way. And I've just kind of noticed that like, since kind of doing some of this work of learning to trust myself, which is still like an ever evolving process of when that phrase comes up, I don't know, to shift that, to shift out of that unknowing, because it's not the truth. The truth is I do know the answer is just on its way. So a little bit longer of an episode today, but we covered a lot of ground. So I wanted to make a reminder, um, free masterclass tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. Central. We're gonna be talking about radical self-indulgence, of how we actually get back in touch with our sense of self, how we understand or gain awareness of what it is that we're needing. Um, if you like some of our exercises today, you definitely want to tune in tomorrow because we're going to be talking about getting back in touch with our intuition, of getting back in touch with our pleasure center, of how we know what our body is wanting, how we know what our soul is wanting for us, letting pleasure be a really strong compass for that, and how we get back in touch with the experience of pleasure in our bodies, right? And how we start asking for the things that we want and the things that we need. So our episode from last Thursday, our episode from today, we're going to be combining a lot of these concepts tomorrow in our free masterclass. So there's a link to sign up in the show notes. I would love to see you there. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or via email. The email address is livetrue at megan Hale. Dot com. I'll get you all set up and squared away. We're going to be talking about some really awesome concepts tomorrow. So I hope to see you there. And uh, just one more time, if you have not listened to episode 130 that came out on Thursday of last week, you got to go listen to it. Okay, deal. All right. I'll see you in a few days for another Transformational Thursday. Bye. Bye.